Star Wars. Just those two words alone evoke so much in so many of us. Distant planets, unforgettable characters, a battle of good versus evil spanning generations. But for those people who aren't already on the hype train, and there are more of them than you think, it may seem like a lot. And I can't blame them. Nine movies, not counting the spin-offs, a number of television shows, both animated and live action, volumes of comic books and novels, hours of video game content, encyclopedias worth of information, and that's all just what's canon. But it's important to remember where it all began, with a young, snarky farm boy on a desert planet who was destined to save the entire galaxy. Before it was Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, it was just Star Wars. And despite kickstarting a cultural monolith, it remains to this day a very simple and accessible story. It ain't a model example of the hero's journey for nothing. But if you're listening to this episode, you likely knew this already. What you may not know is that Star Wars is also pretty damn complex. For such humble beginnings, it's really impossible to talk about this film without acknowledging its incredible legacy, a legacy that has been explored by countless film fans and film scholars before me. I mean, it wouldn't be the massive success it is today if it weren't for some deeper truth lying at the heart of it. But for all that has already been said about it, it can be difficult to pinpoint exactly what that deeper truth even is. So, what is it? What is that deeper truth that makes Star Wars complex? And how can it also be simple at the same time? I brought in the biggest Star Wars fan I know to answer these questions. And I know a lot of Star Wars fans. You may recognize Michael Tucker as the creator and voice behind Lessons from the Screenplay, one of the forefather film video essay YouTube channels that now sits at well over a million subscribers. But what if I told you that Michael began his career as a filmmaker by blowing up X-Wings in front of his dad's video camera? In his many videos and podcast episodes covering the Skywalker saga and beyond, Michael has shared a lot of insight into the franchise's archetypal characters and vast story world. But today, he's going to crack the code on how the first installment in pop culture's most beloved space opera is actually simpler and more complex than you remember. Hello and welcome to My Favorite Movie Is, a podcast celebrating our favorite movies through fresh, positive perspectives from passionate movie lovers. I'm your host and fellow movie lover, Larry Freed. And each week I sit down with a brand new cinephile as they share the life-changing experiences behind their all-time favorite movie, or whatever comes closest. Through their stories, you will gain brand new modern insight into some of the most talked about movies of all time, all while deepening your love and appreciation of cinema and reaffirming the power of filmmaking. Thank you so much for being here. We know there are plenty of other movie podcasts out there, and we are so lucky that you have chosen to spend some time with us today. Before we get started, if you haven't watched the movie we're discussing today, don't worry, you can still continue to listen to this episode spoiler-free uh, for now. Eventually, we will have to dive into the nitty-gritty, but when we do, we will give you a fair spoiler warning, so that way you can go into this film as fresh as possible. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of My Favorite Movie Is. Hello, my name is Michael Tucker, and my favorite movie is Star Wars. In my memory, Star Wars has always been there. Like, I can still feel like holding 
the VHS tape that was, I believe, recorded off of TV. That was like the main version of Star Wars that I grew up with was a recorded from TV version. But I just, yeah, I feel like it's just always been there. So I, I'm sure it wasn't the first thing I was ever shown, but it's the first movie experience that I can remember. You saw Star Wars for the first time when you were two years old. Can you tell us if you can recall any specific moments within the film when you were first watching it, even just like sequences that really um, perked, you know, two-year-old Michael into this whole new world. The opening is just amazing. Like I, I still am amazed by it watching it today, but the famous, I mean, every shot in this movie is famous, but you know, the famous opening shot with the Star Destroyer coming over and chasing the Corvette, and then it goes to the droids inside the hallway which looks cool like i feel like that and darth vader coming out like all of that is like seared into my brain of like this is just so much fun and i think i probably then tuned out more during kind of the luke stuff when he's just kind of like <laughs> sad and looking at the sun and like i want to do stuff i was like yeah, okay yeah yeah action um you know toshi station power converters right. you know, all that but I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. The escape from the Death Star with like the TIE fighters and them like fighting the TIE fighters in the Millennium Falcon. And then the whole finale, just the trench run, like the Death Star battle is still one of my favorite things ever put to film. So I think those were probably the parts of the VHS that were worn down the most. How many times do you think that you watched this movie as a kid? Like infinite times? <laughs> I think infinite is probably the only word that like <laughs> Did the, the VHS ever get it. worn out or like broke break? Did you ever have to like re-record it or anything? I only remember being very excited when the special editions came out so that I could have like a clean, pristine version of the movie that didn't have, you know, there weren't like commercial breaks or anything in the VHS that we had, but there were a couple moments that got scrambled. So like right, weirdly yeah. after Luke gets C-3PO and R2-D2 and C-3PO is like going into the oil bath. For some reason that little, there's like a two or three seconds there that were always like scrambled. And so like, I couldn't understand what C-3PO was saying. And so I still get like giddy weirdly when I watch it and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I can hear what he's saying. And he's not saying anything interesting. He's just like saying like, oh, yeah, I think we've been in many battles. There's not much to tell. Have you been in many battles? Several, I think. Actually, there's not much to tell. But like, I'm still so excited that I can actually see it because my brain for 33 years now or whatever is like still stressed that it was missing that part. So you watched a TV recorded version. So did your dad record Star Wars and then show it to you? Is that how it went down? Yeah, I think it was, you know, I remember talking to him and him kind of being surprised that I was into it. Like, I think he recorded it for himself, but he has said, you know, he never would have imagined that like future generations would have been into it. So I think he just kind of had it and then like showed it to me. And then little did he know how much like future generations were going to become. Yeah. yeah I don't know if your dad's a gambling man, but that uh, <laughs> good gamble. Right. <laughs> My dad was really into movies and writing and lots of stuff. And my mom always like loved movies too. And like one of my favorite stories from them was you know, them driving around in San Francisco in 1977 and you know, rounding the corner. And there's a big line of people outside a theater, which was weird. And they were like, what's everyone like standing in line for? Why don't we go stand in line too? And they got in line <laughs> and then they saw Star Wars. Like just always been so jealous that like. Incredible. Yeah. Remember when we could just organically discover movies like that in person 
Barely. Crazy times. Crazy yeah. times. Did they both like the film after they saw it for the first time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they both loved the film, for sure. And so was your dad kind of like a, a big Star Wars fan as the as the original trilogy went on? I think he was like a, a casual fan. He, he wasn't ever like a super fan or anything. Like he didn't, you know, we didn't have Star Wars toys in my house or memorabilia that was separate from the ones that I went out and collected. He liked it and enjoyed the movies, but wasn't like obsessed with it. So what do you think inspired him to tape the film and then show it to you because you you just said that he didn't imagine that you would like it i mean that's a good question and i don't know if it's just like we needed to make him sit down and watch something so here we'll put on star wars kind of a thing but i think the spectacle of the sci-fi and the action and the spaceships and the blasters like i think all of that he really resonated with and that's definitely the first thing that i resonated with was like this just looks so cool like i want to be in this world i want to have an x-wing like i want spaceships and space battles and all that stuff so yeah i again i don't know if that was like the intention behind it but i think that's the overlap of how the things that we both appreciated about the films. I think he kind of gave me the love of movies and creativity. He would tell stories of like, you know, going to see movies and for the first time there's like, you know, a train coming at the camera and people would duck because it'd be like, oh no, the train's going to hit us because like it was a new medium or like seeing King Kong and like not understanding how that was possible. So I think he just always had a like true, like romantic love of cinema. He had a film camera that he would take on vacations with my mom and incessantly film everything and kind of like recreate little scenes from movies and stuff like that that were silly. And so that carried on to then video cameras when I was a kid and then he let me play with them. And then that's kind of what I adopted doing is anytime we went on vacation, I would be behind the camera filming it, making like vacation movies, but like practicing, like getting cool shots and learning how the camera worked and from the age I could hold a camera, I knew I wanted to make movies. It was a lot of like, today I've decided I want to try to recreate a space battle. And so it would be me taking my Star Wars toys or my models. I used to like buy the plastic models of like X-Wings and TIE Fighters and put them together and then like set them on the ground and take the camera and like make the cameras be like it's flying past them. And then my dad would like put some like lighter fluid on them and then we'd light them on fire and I'd record it like it was an explosion. Pretty crazy that your dad would like totally be cool with just like lighting things on fire for you. Right. Maybe irresponsible, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> Slightly. But hey, cool dad. Cool dad award. So it was a lot of just like whatever my excitement was around that day or like, you know, Jurassic Park is another favorite movie of mine. And so it'd be like, we're going to recreate the T-Rex scene today and I'm going to get my Ninja Turtle van and I'm going to put like Michelangelo in the driver's seat and then my T-Rex toy. <laughs> He's going to come down and we're going to recreate that shot. So especially early on, it was a lot of just like impulse things and like mini sequences. My dad, he taught me how to edit. This is the old school, like two VCRs where you would like press play on one right, and then yeah. like record it on the other. Like that's how I started editing things. So he had like enough just kind of, you know, enthusiast knowledge of all this stuff to then like pass that to me, which then I just like took hold of and like ran crazily forward with it. I actually, as a kid, wanted to do visual effects. Like that's how I got into movies was like, 
I like it when that TIE fighter explodes. I want to grow up to be the person that makes TIE fighters explode. And then, so that's where, you know, building like the models came in because I would watch the behind the scenes and like, okay, they would put together models and then blow it up. I can do that. And so that's where that came from. And then, you know, seeing Toy Story, Toy Story was another big formative thing where I was like, oh, wow, they're using computers. I need to learn how to use computers to do this stuff. So visual effects was pretty much my way into like film and cinema. And then it slowly expanded until I just loved every part of it and realized I wanted to do all of it at the same time, basically. Is there like a through line that you can that you can piece together of Star Wars continuing to aspire you as you continue to grow as a filmmaker? I think one of the reasons it's my favorite movie is that it just never goes away in my head. And so, you know, like one of the more complete projects that I did was in high school, on like my sophomore year of high school, I made a movie that was a parody of Indiana Jones, but in the finale of that Indiana Jones parody, the two like father figures, like the father and the antagonist, pull out lightsabers, and then there's a lightsaber fight because <laughs> there just has to be a lightsaber fight at some point because I want there to be a lightsaber fight. I know you love lightsabers. I had, had to be the there. Coolest. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think probably at every stage of my life, there's been some moment where I was like, okay, but what if I did a Star Wars thing? Like, what if I did, even in like 20. 10, 2011, when, you know, Alex Cayeros, who's one of the co-writers on Lessons from Screenplay, co-host of Beyond Screenplay, creative collaborator of mine, we were doing this year of short films and trying to establish ourselves as like professional filmmakers in Los Angeles. And I was like, yes, that's good. But also, what if we made a Star Wars short film where us and all of our friends are inside 3D models of the different Star Wars ships and there's a lightsaber fight and we're using green screen. And so it's just like, like the fun that comes with that is a place that I go to when I want to try out new techniques or new technologies. Like in that instance, it was like getting familiar with green screen and 3D motion tracking and 3D objects and all this stuff. So I, I think it's just, it's a, a well to draw from forever of just like love for cinema that can motivate all kinds of projects. And here it comes. We are officially entering spoiler territory. For those of you who want to go into this film as fresh as possible, this is where we part. If you've been enjoying the show so far and you want more My Favorite Movie Is, I encourage you to check out more episodes on our show page on the podcasting app you're listening on right now, or find all of our episodes at mfmipodcast.com. But all right, enough dilly-dallying. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Michael Tucker all about Star Wars. What is it about Star Wars that makes it such a quintessential like movie in air quotes? Like when we say this movie made me want to make movies, like what do you think that really means to you? For me, there's just like a a sense of adventure and wonder that it generates for the audience that I think is the kind of escapism that I think is positive and that stories can do well and that films can do uniquely well where you're swept up into this whole other universe and the story and you're going on this ride and it's about good and evil and the good guys win but they have to you know learn important lessons along the way like it just feels 
just like a pure like story, like what the human brain wants from, you know, we're sitting around a fire and someone's going to tell you a story like here, I'm going to tell you Star Wars. Like there's just something so, yeah, simple, but powerful about it. And like weirdly, the image that always pops into my head and that popped in my head as you were asking the question was seeing uh, the special edition when they re-released it in 1997, I think. I went to see it with my mom, who, you know, hadn't seen it since 1977. Well, she'd seen the movie, but, you know, saw it in a theater once before, but was like back in a theater seeing it. And I remember just looking over at her during the trench run, the finale of Star Wars, and she like had her popcorn and was eating it. And it was just like the look on her face was like she was enthralled and just purely entertained and immersed in this other thing that was only giving goodness back. And I feel like for some reason, that's what I love about movies. And I think Star Wars is such one of the few movies that is so purely capable of, of creating that experience for people. When I was watching it again the other night, I, I did get weirdly emotional at one point. And it was like during the trench run, I think it was when Han comes back to like, to save Luke and Luke like shoots the shot. There was something about just the the good triumphing triumphing triumphant triumphing. Why can I not triumphing? Yeah, you you got right? it. <laughs> Is that the word triumphing? That's a weird word. Yeah, good winning over evil. That like was so pure, and I guess that's. You know, part of the the result of the simplicity of the story is that there is a very pureness to the resolution of it. Like Han is kind of the only character that goes on a moral journey, like has a character arc. And so for some reason, it all just hit me in the right way where Luke, all these other pilots, like all the rebellion had been trying. They're trying and they're giving their lives for this idea of goodness. And Luke is there and he's willing to die for it. And then at the last moment, you get someone that comes in and saves the day, but it doesn't feel like an obvious ex machina or like a thing that's like, well, there was no way for this to happen. So obviously, I don't know, for some reason it hit me as just a really pure thing of like, he's here to save the day, which is great because the good guys need to win, but it's also him completing his character journey, which is broadcasting like, yes, good will triumph over evil. So can we have good things as a people or not? It's always nice to see stories that are like, yes, humans will slowly trend toward good. I actually saw this on my timeline. You tweeted just a few <laughs> nights ago about this. And I was like, I almost got, I got too excited because I was like, oh, this guy's ready. He, he, he <laughs> tweeted, part of the tweet is, quote, I'm watching the original Star Wars and it's so simple. Yeah. So I was rewatching this movie for this podcast, obviously. I wanted to return to the source and like, yeah, just see what is actually within the boundaries of this two hour and four minute like film. And yeah, I was struck by how even more simple it was than I thought, you know, the empire is just purely evil, basically, right? There's not a whole lot of nuance there. We know that Darth Vader has a, a background with Obi-Wan where he killed his pupil named Anakin. That's all we know in episode four. But like, as far as what we see of the Empire, it's like wide shots of the Death Star 
And it's like a conference room, basically, most of the time where they're just like the British people are yelling about how the rebellion is bad and blah, blah, blah. You know, knowing what we know about the Empire now and what like Force Awakens, we see we get to know a stormtrooper, like all the stuff that complicates the world and the politics of Star Wars. None of that is there. The Empire is there to just be like bad, like they are the evil force in this world. All the stormtroopers, they're always behind helmets, like they're kind of dehumanized, dehumanized, humanized, humanity, humanized, dehumanized, I think, I don't know. There's not a lot of humanity because they're all <laughs> all hidden in these, uh, you know, the armor and stuff. That's like one example of like in this story, the point isn't to question the complex morality of empire and the republic and the politics and all that stuff. Like they are here to be evil. They are the force of evil. And the rebellion is shown only as purely good like they are the people fighting back against this evil force that is trying to you know control the galaxy like we have that simple polarity of there's good and there's evil and we have princess leia who's fighting for the good people we have darth vader who's fighting for the bad people and then there's luke the character design of luke is interesting because he there's not a whole lot there like what we know about luke is that he's a farmer he wants adventure his father used to be, you know, at one point was a great Jedi Knight. So he has this kind of legacy dream that I think is inspiring him to want to go out and reach out into the stars and go on adventure. And that's like literally all we know about him. He wants to go to the Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. So he like, you know, he's kind of a nerd also, I guess. You know it. But I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. He's kind of a blank slate in a way that I think is useful for us as audience to kind of attach ourselves to and inject into it whatever we want and so i think that the simple design of him the simple design of the good and the evil like we're on board with that concept as a audience like immediately and so then like we understand the kind of dramatic question at hand and so it's then about watching these characters uh navigate it and like fight for good and and han solo is such an important character also where he's kind of he's like the only gray area person where like he's like i'm not gonna stick my neck out for the rebellion but no i don't like the empire either and so you there's just like there's thematic discussion happening and it's very simple and then on top of that is like fun action and a plot that is simple and clear but still compelling Right. They're trying to escape the Empire. Then they end up in the belly of the beast. They're in the Death Star. They're like at the place where the Empire is and they have to find their way out. But to get out, they have to sacrifice Obi-Wan. And so there's simple archetypal storytelling things happening that are compelling while also, you know, fun adventure happening on the surface. It is interesting. And I think one of the things that I realized watching it is that it's not a normal movie either like we talk about it as you know kind of a paragon example of like story structure but it's it is different than like what we think of as a modern story structure following a single protagonist and like three-dimensional characters and it's a movie that spawned a bunch of conversation about story and stuff but where we've ended i think is kind of different from where we began if you could just expand on that last that last part like this idea that the film is so different in what way would you say that Star Wars is different than what, you know, 
uh, a traditional story structure might be. I've been trying to think of like what a like a, a good comparison film, like a modern film would be. Children of Men. That was maybe one that I can point to. Children of Men is a a story about a guy, right? It's about Theo. It's tracking this person's character arc as he goes from having one worldview to kind of reawakening his love and this other worldview and what he's willing to do. You know, it's, it's a complete 180 character arc story. The details about him are important. His backstory, his relationship, like there's all this stuff designed to make us really have this full picture of him because his journey is the, the story of the movie in so many ways. Star Wars is not that. Like, it is Luke's story, and he does change, but, you know, the whole time I'm not, like, thinking in the back of my head, like, oh, man, like, is Luke finally going to learn blank? Because, like, he's not really learning any deep character lessons, and, like, the complexity of his backstory isn't what's important in the story. It's kind of more... And this is maybe the, the aspect of the Joseph Campbell thing that is here, that it, it is just sort of this archetypal going out into the world and learning what the world is and becoming more experienced and, and seeing everything and then ultimately choosing to fight for good. We as the audience are going on that journey like as much as Luke is. So it's not like we're watching Luke change. It's kind of like through Luke's eyes, we are getting a picture of this world and we're learning just as much as Luke is. While we've been talking about Star Wars, I realized, yes, Star Wars is simplistic, but his Luke's character journey does require a lot of sacrifice along the way. And I think that's a really important part at getting at a truth. Like, I think if you can put a truth into your story, that's what is powerful and resonates with people. You know, it's not like Luke can just like walk up to the bad guys and kill them and then it's over. Like, he has to struggle and along the way he loses his family, he loses his mentor, he loses his friends that like went to go fight for the rebellion. There's still a a complex, nuanced truth behind the good wins over evil. It's like good wins over the evil sometimes, and it requires a lot of sacrifice, but it's worth fighting for kind of thing. I think people can hear simple and think without meaning or without like moral complexity. But I think it's, it's not the case. I think the simpler your story, the more easy it can be to make people focus on the morality of a situation and really focus on that. And so I think that's something that I really appreciated watching Star Wars this time is that Luke's journey, while simple, requires sacrifice at every point. And I think that's why it's compelling and ultimately moving. So even simplicity can still bring about complexity Kind of. I think it opens the door for complexity to be in the mind of the audience in a different way, like thematically, morally. Right. If the story is just about good versus evil, fine. But if you have characters then that are like struggling with good versus evil, then the audience gets, okay, this is the context, the lens through which we're looking at this. And now I'm thinking about like the good versus evil. Like, am I Han? Am I Princess Leia? Like, what would I be doing? And so I think having a clear push and pull can allow for then characters to be examining that simplistic framing in more complex and interesting ways that can draw people in. There's this interesting kind of conflict in, in what we're saying and what I've been saying of like, yeah, Luke, Luke is simple and is could maybe be misinterpreted as being designed to be like super general and super broad to like 
let everyone, you know, connect with him. And I think that's true to an extent, but the function of him and what he represents symbolically is specific and fits into this web of other characters. He's kind of doing a coming of age thing where, you know, he already wants to fight for good, but there's a naivete about him. And so I think he's sort of learning what it costs to fight for good, what it actually means. And I think that's interesting. There's not a whole lot of that in the text of the movie. Like Luke is kind of just hanging out for a lot of it, but I think that's what he represents and kind of where he moves along the spectrum by the end of the film. I don't know if it's in the text, but it's certainly in the, in the film. I mean, that scene with when Obi-Wan is killed, I think that's a perfect, I think that's a perfect representation of what you're talking about. Luke already is like very on board with the rebellion. He's like, you were in the rebellion. Like, you know, he's very much like, Oh yeah, I, I hate this invisible government patriarchal force that exists in star Wars, but he like, he's already ready to do it. And all he has to do really in the movie is find the connection and the confidence in himself in order to achieve this. I agree with what you're saying that ultimately it's a very, it's a very simple dramatic question. I think that lets the the story be about the other characters also a lot. Now that I'm thinking about it, as you're saying this, all of the supporting characters in star Wars sort of represent something unique. I mean, Obi-Wan and Han and Leia as a trilogy of characters are all sort of, I mean, Han is a particularly important character because of his dissonance to everything. His scene with Obi-Wan is such an essential (laughs) moment, you know, like I don't, I don't believe in it. I'm not going to put my faith in any religion, you know, it's such a, such an important scene, but his relationship with Leia as well sort of represent the sort of two choices that Luke can make either like, get with it or or don't basically and then of course han at the end of the movie ends up you know reverting his own choices they are not particularly complex they each have like singular desires and things they want but that just makes the film stronger as a whole and i think you know i think you would agree with that yeah yeah absolutely you've talked a lot about how one of the lessons for aspiring filmmakers an important lesson that they should learn is you know learn these fundamentals, learn how to make a strong narrative first before trying to shake things up and and do crazy things. What are these storytelling fundamentals that people need to grasp? And can we, can we bring that in Star Wars? Where is that reflected in Star Wars for you? There's a kind of weird analogy that I've used before with story structure where like, uh, you know, if you're a craftsman and you want to make a chair, Like when I say chair to somebody, everyone knows what a chair is because we know like, okay, it's a thing. It's got to sit on the ground. And when I put my body weight on it, it's got to hold me. Like that's my expectations of a chair, right? Right. Once you have those, you can go crazy with how you design that chair, right? It can look totally wild. It can look really conventional. There's all these different ways that you can express different, you know, aesthetic ideas, but a chair has to serve the function of a chair, And that's kind of how I think about story structure is that like, if you're sitting down to watch a movie, like we've talked about, like, what is, what is a movie? There's a certain expectation that people have of what a movie is. And so I think it's important to know those fundamentals of like three act structure, like character inciting incident, break into two midpoint crisis, climax, like desire and obstacle, right? Like character wants something, there's something standing in their way. That's when we start to lean in and be invested in like what's going to happen. 
like an audience doesn't go in consciously thinking of those things, obviously, the way that I don't consciously sit down in a chair being like, you better hold my weight chair because that's what I expect a chair to be. But it's just like an implicit thing. And so I think just those like knowing those basic aspects of story structure let you know what an audience is generally expecting when they sit down to read your story. And you can do with that then whatever you want, but you have to know what people are expecting in order to surprise them or satisfy them and all this stuff. And I think Star Wars is interesting because the simplicity of it lets the audience focus on the kind of the adventure aspects, but also the bigger thematic ideas. And I think there is a spectrum of simplicity and plot and what you want the audience to focus on can be different. And like, that's fine. Like you can have a really complex, like whodunit plot where the point of the fun is, you know, knives out E or whatever, like trying to put together all the things and you want the audience to be really engaged in the mechanics of the story. Like, if that's what you want, that's fine. Like, go for that kind of story. But I think it's important to know what those story shapes do to an audience and what what mode that puts them in so that you can make sure you're choosing the right one for the thing you want the audience to focus on in your story. I think what's hard about being a filmmaker and learning filmmaking, me speaking from experience, is that there are a lot of surface level, like visible aspects of filmmaking that are easy to point to and then focus on as an aspiring filmmaker. And so I think that's why for me, you know, camera shots, you know, like cinematography, it was easy to get really excited about like, oh, that shot is so beautiful. Like look at American Beauty, there's rain and these like frame, like it means so much, it's amazing. And especially because we have kind of behind the scenes things now and audio commentaries were a big deal when I was, you know, becoming a filmmaker that the things that people talked about were these more accessible visual things that it was easier to kind of pick apart and analyze because it's right there in front of you. And those are all important, but they only matter if the foundation beneath them is working, which is the story, the fundamentals of like, I need to care about this character getting from point A to point B in order to be invested in this really cool long take that you've invented. Like if I don't care about what's happening, like on a deeper level, it doesn't matter how technically cool this thing is. I'm not going to be invested. I'm never going to not think about the technical cool aspects of filmmaking. Like that has a natural gravity that's always going to draw my attention. And so I think that's why I've realized the stronger I can push against that toward the like, but the fundamentals are the only thing that matters. Like focus on the simplicity, focus on that. What actually ends up happening is that you hopefully end up kind of in a a balanced state because you're always going to be caring about like the cool parts of film. But if you can also devote lots of energy to the basic story fundamentals of why anyone cares at all, hopefully you end up in that sweet spot, which is, a good story that is also well-told and unique. Where is that reflected in Star Wars for you? Maybe you can give us a character that stands out to you or a moment that stands out to you that you think is this simplicity, is the structural points perfectly executed and just really functioning well for the story. Yeah, I I think the, the scene and moment that has stood out to me the most when rewatching it recently is uh, Luke's on uncle being killed. 
like, you know, it's the part of the archetypal Joseph Campbell thing of like the refusal of the call, but then the protagonist is kind of left with no choice and like forced out into the new world. Partially the reason this stands out is because it's such a shocking visual. Like this is another thing that you probably don't think about when you think of Star Wars, but they show the charred remains yeah. of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Yeah. And it's intense, but I think it's such a great example of, of that. We're like the, the protagonist doesn't want to go on this journey. The, it's a scary journey. Like people don't want to change, but they only change when they're forced to do so. And I think it's such a great example of forcing a character to realize there is no other option. Like if they stay in this old world, they're going to die. And it's also at the same time, Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen die at the hands of the Empire. So it's also signaling really clearly clearly to Luke why he has to go and fight and leave the safety behind because this is what's happening to the world and what will keep happening if he doesn't do something. So it's it's really simple, but I think it's that's why I like it. It's just it's such a it's doing world work, it's like upping the stakes, it's revealing stuff about the antagonists and the way they operate and it's forcing Luke to make a choice that he wouldn't have otherwise. And it's like tragic, right? He's like having to sacrifice something. I think that's another really important part of a character arc is like whenever you gain something, like sacrificing things makes that gain more powerful and worth it. So yeah, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru being (laughs) burned to death and revealing them and as charred skeletons, I think is a really great moment. That's a very short moment too. I mean, to speak to the simplicity of it, it's just like, like what maybe like four or five shots in total like i mean he yeah they speed over to his home he runs they're dead turns around and is like all right we're gonna right. go it's a that's that's a great honestly great example are you enjoying this episode of my favorite movie is did you wish it was jam-packed with even more insightful conversation and no ads to interrupt well you're in luck If you sign up for our Patreon right now, you can get access to an ad-free and uncut version of this episode, featuring our full conversation from when we started rolling to when we cut. You'll also get access to other cool perks like commentary tracks, personalized video shoutouts, and access to the Patron Zone in our Discord community, in which you can see early drafts and works in progress and help give us feedback to make the show even better. And if you can believe it, all of this is available for just $5 a month. Go to patreon.com slash podcast or click the link in the show notes to become a patron today. Now, back to the show. Oftentimes, people think simple is bad, when in reality, as we've said, simple can be very effective. When The Force Awakens was first coming out, and I don't want to talk too much about the sequel trilogy because opinions are hot, but um, <laughs> a lot of people were very quick to criticize the film because they said, oh, it's too much like A New Hope. It's too much like Episode 4. You know, I feel like they just sort of copy and pasted the same the same stuff. But I know that we share the opinion that, you know, this was a very intentional choice, you know, for the, the filmmakers made. Since we're talking about Star Wars right now and we're talking about how these character, these fundamental character and story choices are effective and good and fundamental, you would think that, this would be something that we wouldn't criticize. This is something that we think we would be positive about. Like, why why not reuse them if, if they're effective? 
And I was I was wondering if you could because I know you also love The Force Awakens. I know I think you saw it seven times in theaters. Uh, not in theaters. I think how many? I don't know. I've seen it a lot. I think I probably saw it between three and five times in theaters, though, for sure. That's still a, a pretty healthy amount. I know you really enjoy that film, even though you you know that I know you talked a little bit about some of the flaws that you find in that film. But I think that you appreciate that film for kind of similar reasons that it has these fundamentals really down pat. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic, and I've been kind of unconsciously thinking about it a lot recently, I realized. Like, after rewatching episode four, I think it has given me some context, as you're speaking to, as far as the simplicity of why I liked the things that I liked in The Force Awakens. And one of the things is that I've always loved Rey as a character, but, like, it's hard for me to justify that in terms of like, you know, she is a pretty simple character and I'm used to having to, you know, point to complex character design and like all these things to justify like why this character is a great character. But after watching the original Star Wars and looking at Luke and looking at Rey, I think that is one of the similarities that they share is that she is simple. She is almost just like an avatar for goodness and the person through which we're going to explore this new world. And so I think it was a, it's a cool take on a Luke like character where she's different enough, but she still, you know, has a vague background that makes her maybe dream of more is stuck in this place, but wants to get out and has a really deep sense of like what's right and wrong. Right. It's very, it's very simple. It's very Luke, as you said, clearly intentional by the part of the creators. And so I think those elements are the things that I like about The Force Awakens and the things that do feel Star Wars-y to me is that they are kind of getting back to like good, evil, and like a, a new generation of people that have to kind of answer the call and fight for what they believe in. I think it gets complicated because that film is also trying to do like 10 things at once you know, and, and continuing character arcs from the previous trilogy and pressing the reset button maybe too hard in terms of like, no, but there's literally another Death Star and literally this movie's going to end with them having to blow it up again. Like, I think they took some of those aspects too far. But I think the reason I connect with the new characters is that they do have this kind of simplistic, symbolic essence to them that I can get on board with and that I think I I want in my Star Wars more than like edgy, complicated, you know, anti-heroes and stuff like that. You talk so much about Star Wars being very simple, like simple story, simple but effective, which is a perfect film for someone who's two years old to learn that they love filmmaking because like this is its this is its essence really, like kind of portrayed in front of you. As a two-year-old being exposed to Star Wars such a fundamental story that seems like it's trying to do so much but has those fundamentals down pat. Do you think that that kind of explains this sort of baseline understanding of like movie, like I want to do this, you know, I want to make movies because I'm watching a story that has such a such a good understanding of its own archetypes and fundamentals? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know if I... No, knew that as a two-year-old or whatever but of i course, think right yeah there is just something where like in my brain if we're talking about a movie this the the starting point of the definition of movie includes 
Star Wars in a huge way. I like that idea of every filmmaker, every storyteller having like a thing that they have in their background, like a story that shapes what they think like the quintessential story should be. And as I'm thinking about it, I think they're, that's definitely true of a lot of people I know, uh, like Trisha Rand's love of Jurassic Park, Trisha from our podcast. I feel like that definitely informs like what a movie is. There's so many conversations now about what is a movie because media is changing and the kinds of movies we're making are changing and we have streaming things. And what is a TV show? Like all these things, we kind of have a often like amorphous idea of that starting definition that we're comparing new things against. And I think it's probably very accurate that having Star Wars be such a big part of my childhood cemented it as a, a root thing that defines what I think of when I think of a movie. I think we're kind of discovering this together, but what yeah. you're saying, yeah, sounds <laughs> sounds right. Thank you for forcing me to revisit the original source material of all the stuff going on because it has kind of reset my brain and helped me recalibrate to this new world and remember and perhaps realize for the first time even what I truly appreciate about the original Star Wars. Star Wars may be a simple story of good versus evil, but through that simplistic framework, the film is able to explore deeper thematic ideas of science versus religion, the importance of sacrifice toward the greater good, and the need for faith and hope, even in the darkest of times. I hope that this insightful conversation helped to clarify just how simple and complex Star Wars really is. Though I think Michael and I really only scratched the surface. There are still plenty of discussions to be had, and I plan on starting some in the free My Favorite Movie Is Discord community. Do you have a fresh take on Star Wars that you want to share with me and dozens of other fans of the franchise? Are you looking to connect with a group of fun, kind, and passionate movie lovers? Then our Discord community is the place for you, with daily discussion prompts and monthly community movie watch-alongs to make you feel right at home. Join our motley crew of scoundrels today, completely free of charge, by clicking the link in the show notes. And I'll see you there, laser brain. You know, it's funny that Michael just shouted out a bit ago uh, his co-host on Beyond the Screenplay, Trisha Arand, and her love for Jurassic Park, because that's exactly the subject of our next episode. Trisha will be here on the show talking about Steven Spielberg's masterful blockbuster on June 6th, just in time for Jurassic World Dominion. And to make things even better, Trisha will be joining us for our community watch-along of Jurassic Park on Thursday, June 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For those who don't know, on our free Discord community, we do community watch-alongs for all of the films we cover on the show. We usually watch it a few days before the episode releases so we can get the film fresh in our minds before we listen to the show. So again, if you want to watch Jurassic Park with me, Trisha, and a bunch of fellow movie lovers on June 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, click on the link in the show notes and join us for our community watch-along. My Favorite Movie Is is a Larry Freed Presents production. The show was created by me, Larry Freed, and is also hosted and produced by me, 
Larry Freed. Our sound recordists for this episode were Stephen Reyes and Dan Grunberg, and our editor was Fernando Queiroz. The My Favorite Movie Is logo and branding was designed by Monica Sarmiento, with motion graphics by Elton Greenfield, and our theme song, Now and Then, as well as all original music featured on the show, is composed and performed by Matt Gorduk. A huge thank you to Michael Tucker for being an incredible guest and for being incredibly generous with his time. And a huge thank you to our patrons who literally helped to make this show possible. Taylor, Rafi, Keith, Tony, Mo, and Sean. I love you guys. You guys helped to make this thing happen. If you want to support My Favorite Movie Is and receive uncut and ad-free versions of every episode, you can go to patreon.com slash mfmipodcast and become a patron today. My name is Larry Freed, and this has been My Favorite Movie Is.